Okay, so we're kind of in, I guess, in the middle of a two-week mini-series, we'll call it, on prayer. Um, last week, Matt talked about the Lord's uh, Prayer and kind of went through line by line and talked about um, what we mean when we say, you know, things like, hallowed be your name and your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, and today we're going to kind of zoom out a little bit and not just think about um, what we say, but kind of the truths underneath that um, in our hearts and, and things maybe we're not believing if we can't pray those things honestly or consistently. Like, um, what are we lacking in our beliefs or, or things like that? So um, uh, at BC, we're, we're really passionate about the gospel, um, and we try and preach the gospel every week, um, and um, we like to think that, or we know, we don't like to think, we know that uh, the gospel is not just the ABCs of the Christian life, but the A through Zs. It is, meaning it's not just the entry point into um, the Christian faith, but it is vital in, in every part of, of what we do. And so um, that sounds good, right? But how does that work? Like, the gospel is important for all of life, and everything we do as Christians. Cool, but what's a specific example of that? And so today we're going to look a little bit about at the how our belief in the gospel should change um, the way we approach prayer and how it, how it makes things different because of what Jesus has done. Um, we're going to bounce around quite a bit, but kind of our anchor point is going to be the Lord's Prayer this morning. We'll look at some other passages in the Sermon on the Mount and some other things on prayer, but that's where we will kind of be, be rooted in. Uh, okay, but first, kids' sermon. Where are the kiddos at? Got any kids? Wow, they're like all... Right here, pretty well. Okay, cool. Just face this way. Boop. Okay, um, so kids, I have a question for you. Raise your hand if you would like to answer it. Um, wait for the question first, though, right? Uh, so, why do you ask your parents for things? Not what do you ask them for, but why specifically do you ask your parents for things? Malachi. Because you want, you want stuff, right? So you ask them, okay? No? Uh, you want to know stuff. You want to know stuff, okay. Landon? You want to eat something? Okay, cool. So, okay, those are all true things. Like, those are things that you want to happen, right? But why do you ask them? Like, why don't you ask, like, the mailman or your baby brother or sister or something like that? Why, why your parents? Go for it. Because they're not in charge. Because other people aren't in charge, right? Your baby brother or sister's not in charge. The mailman is not in charge of the food at your house. Your parents are in charge of the food at your house, right? So they're the ones who are in control of what happens to you. Um, what are some reasons you wouldn't ask something of your parents? Like, why would you not? Not that you'd ask other people, but like, you just don't have a question. Yeah. Oh, like if there's a, a consequence, you shouldn't ask for things. So we know there's some things that if we ask for, you know, they're not going to happen or, or it's bad. So that's, that's true also. <laughs> Definitely true. Definitely true. Um, uh, I have one for you. I think, Landon, did you talk about food? Was that yours? Okay. Why aren't you asking your dad right now for some food? You're not hungry, right? You don't have the need for food right now. So um, 
I think there's a few reasons you ask your parents specifically for stuff, right? First one is like, you need something, right? You don't have to ask them for something if you don't need it, right? So we have needs. The second thing, which we talked about, is because they're in charge, right? Your parents are in charge. They can do the things you ask them to most of the time. Uh, And there's one more thing, Um, and that's that, like, your parents will do stuff for you, right? They, they love you, right? And so they'll get you things. And so we're going to talk about prayer today, um, and I think we're going to see those same things with God. Like the reasons we ask God for things is because we have needs. Like we are in need of a lot of different things. God is in control of everything. So he's, he's the one to ask, right? If anybody's in charge and in control of stuff, God is the one uh, that can take care of that. And then the third thing is, we can ask God because he's willing. He, he loves us and he cares for us, right? And we have access through what Jesus did. We can, we can ask him for stuff, you know? He's our father, just like our earthly dad is our, our father. And, our you know, um, we have a mom too. So, um, so we're going to see those same things in prayer. And, and sometimes as, as grown-ups, we forget some of those things. Like we forget that we need things because we think we can do it ourselves or we forget that God's in charge, or we forget that we can ask him for stuff. And so um, talk to your parents later about, about prayer and how you, can, how you can pray to God and ask for those kind of things. So let's um, jump in. We are going to read the Lord's Prayer first. And um, like I said, we're going to bounce around a little bit. Um, but what I want us to see, and Matt did a great job of pointing out... Um, the things to pray for in the Lord's Prayer and, and what, what that looks like. But Scripture tells us a lot about how to pray and also how not to pray. Like, we get both. We get, we get pray like this, and we also get don't pray like this. And so we're going to kind of look at both and, and figure out what, what things we need to believe uh, to have a, an effective and consistent prayer life. Um, because I think a lot of times, if you're like me, um, I'll pray for a while and then I get... Uh, either discouraged or bogged down or, or I feel like other things are more important or pressing on my time and I, I kind of fall away from that and, and then I, I get back into it. But, but we're going to look at some truths that we need to remind ourselves of and hopefully um, learn from God's word this morning. So let's uh, read. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 6 and we're going to read verses 5 through 15. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, And here we go. Yep. Uh, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Father, you are 
you are holy and you are wise. And I pray that this morning you would, you would speak to all of us through your word and help us know how to approach your throne um, in a humble, um, Father, but bold way. And that we would do that consistently, Lord. I pray that you would, um, that you would um, speak through me, Father, and that, that I would not get in the way of your spirit um, and that you would move and you would be glorified um, this morning. We need you to come and we need you to work. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So one thing that uh, as I look through all sorts of passages on prayer and both in, in the Lord's Prayer here and the warnings before and stuff like that, um, a lot of times what I see in, in terms of the pray like this, don't pray like this, is we're seeing our sinful desires uh, to glorify ourselves and kind of our own false perception of self-sufficiency. Like we want to think like, I can do this. I've got this. Look at me. I'm going to say these big fancy words or I'm going to get where everybody can hear me or I'm going to uh, think about what others are going to think of me if I pray this way or that way. Um, so those are the, I mean, that's our, that's our flesh, our heart's inclination to get glory for ourselves and, and steal it from, from God. Versus in, in the prayers where we see positives, like the Lord's Prayer and then in other places, we see God's sovereignty being lifted up and his intimate care for us in our brokenness. So like some acknowledgement of like, like I am out of my depth, but you are not and, and you care for me. So those are, those are kind of the two, two sides that we're, we're looking at, um, weighing in on. But like I said, we're going we're gonna to try and pick out a few truths here that we're going to go through that we are, I think, if we want to have an effective and consistent prayer life, we're going to, there's three, three beliefs that I think we need to really uh, anchor in our hearts. Um, and the first one, I feel like would have been the easiest for the listeners, at least maybe surface level, and that is that God is sovereign. He is, he is able. We need to believe that he is able to answer our prayers. Like when we pray, we are praying to a God who is capable of doing all that he pleases. Um, and again, like he's mostly talking to Jewish people who would have known. They would have known from birth the stories of, of Yahweh and his, his creation and his, um, the flood and rescuing, rescuing Noah and um, delivering the people out of Egypt and the plagues and um, with the judges and raising up um, King David and, and building the temple and then, and then the exile and bringing, you know, bringing the people back. Like they would have known very well the big stories of how God has cared for his people and how he is, he is sovereign and he is ruling over these big things. Uh, that would not have been new. But what I imagine where they would have missed out is probably the same places that we, we miss out. And it's not that God is big and in control and can do big things. But I think where we, things that we forget and where it hinders our prayer is that God is sovereign even in, in the small things, okay? Like if, if you ask anyone, I don't think you even have to ask people who are regular church attenders or, or even what most people would consider believers if you said like, is God strong? Like, can he do big stuff? They would say like, well, yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. But, but God is, is sovereign over your life and like your, your breath 
and your actions and your talents and your abilities and your relationships and your jobs. Um, in the Sermon on the, on the Mount, we see this in a few different places. Um, back in chapter 5, um, verses 33 through 37, it says, Again, you've heard, um, and that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So they have heard, like, if you swear, keep it. Um, but, but Jesus says, but I say to you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. So here he's saying, like, God rules over everything. So, like, if you swear by those things, like, you don't have control over those. Um, some other examples of, of God being sovereign, we see just a couple verses back, chapter 6, verse 4, uh, about giving. It says, your father sees in secret. He will reward you. So he sees even the things that are hidden. Verse, chapter 6, verse 6, um, with prayer. Uh, close the door. Go in your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is in secret. And he will see in secret. So, like, he, again, he, he knows what is hidden. Uh, verse 8, don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So, like, even what is unsaid, not just hidden, but unsaid, he knows those things. He's sovereign in his knowledge. Uh, later on, after the Lord's Prayer, in verse 30, which I don't think it's up there, but it says, God clothes the grass, grass of the fields, which is alive today and is tomorrow thrown into fire. How much more uh, will he clothe you? Like, he, he's sovereign over grass and birds and everything. Like, they, they would have known the big things. But what I think Jesus is wanting to remind them of is, is the small things. Um, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'm going to. Right after the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 8 in Matthew is one of my favorite stories um, about somebody acknowledging God's sovereignty. And that's the centurion's servant where he comes to Jesus and he says, you know, heal my servant. And uh, so it's like, yeah, okay, let's go. And he says, no, no, no. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. The centurion says, like, I know how things work. I tell people, you go do this, you go do that, and they, they do it. Um, meaning that Jesus can just, like, he doesn't, have to, he doesn't have to go there himself. He can just say, like, it's done, and it's done. And that's, that's what happened. Um, and, like, I can't can't think of a, I get goosebumps thinking of that every time. Like, um, God is sovereign. Um, I want to think about that a little bit um, in isolation, though. So we're going to look at these one at a time, and then we're going to lump them together. So God is sovereign. There is a so fact. There is a being who knows all things and is capable of doing all that he wills. He knows your needs. Uh, he knows all needs, and he is capable of meeting, meeting all of those. Stop. Is that, in isolation, good? Is that good for us? Like by itself? If that's, if that's the only thing? Not, not really. Uh, I have an example. Um, Jeff Bezos. Does anybody know who that is? He is the CEO of Amazon.com. He owns like 16% share at Amazon. Um, a week and a half ago, on Thursday, July 27th, there was a spike in Amazon stock, and he became the richest man in the world. He was worth $90.6 billion. He surpassed Bill Gates by about $500 million. Only for four hours, 
And then the stock went back down, and by the next morning, he had lost $6 billion in one day. So if I could count the number of times that happened to me, it would be, it would be zero, because, yeah. Uh, but anyway, fact, there is a man who exists in this world who could pay all of the debt in this room. He could take all of the debt that sits in this room and pay it off. And he could get, gift every one of us $100,000 every year. With, and full benefits and all that stuff. He could do that. He is capable, financially, of doing that. Does that change anything about your life on a day-to-day basis? No. Does anybody even know how to get in contact with him? Like, we have no access, right? We have no access. He has no reason to bless us in that way. We're lucky that God is not Jeff Bezos because... We do have access, which we'll get to later. But um, he, like, somebody could do that. But if we don't have, if we don't have access, and if he doesn't have reason, uh, who cares that that there's something out there, right? Um, so I don't feel like if we only believe that God is sovereign, that will motivate us consistently to pray. If that's all that we believe. If he's not going to do anything, if he could do stuff but he doesn't, then what's the point, right? Um, So the second thing is that we are poor in spirit. We are physically and spiritually destitute, which means without the basic necessities of life. Like, by ourselves, we are unable um, to come to God, and we are, we are unable to sustain our own life apart from God. Like, he gives us breath. Isaiah uh, 42, I believe, um, talks about, um, yeah, 42.5. Thus says the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. Like, like God gives us breath every day. Like, we can't even imagine what it would be like to exist without the influence of God because existence apart from God is not, doesn't exist. I mean, we, we are in him. Like we live and breathe because he allows us to. Um, so we are dependent on him physically. We are dependent on him spiritually. Um, Jesus, you know, in, in Mark talks about... Uh, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Like, only God is good. Like, we, are, we aren't good, um, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like, we are um, unable to come to God on our own. And, again, that by itself, that we have need, physical and spiritual need, is not, I mean, that's not really a thing to <laughs> take, take heart in. Like, yeah, we're needy, great. Um, so by itself, obviously, that is not reason to, to pray often. Like if we just said, like, I have needs. Um, but I think that's the one that we struggle most with, honestly, or at least that I struggle most with. Um, I think believers and unbelievers both struggle with believing that we have need or, uh, or that God will, will meet those needs or whatever. But um, I think we want to trust that we can do our own things and then maybe ask God to bail us out when, when things get over our head um, and not acknowledge that we are always over our head. Um, 
you know, we want to we think, I'm, I'm doing just fine, I don't, I don't need to pray for this, or I don't need to pray for that, or um, if, I just, if I just work hard, I can get out of this season, you know, I'll just, I, can, I can figure it out um, with, with hard work, or a great idea, or my winning smile, or uh, discipline, or whatever, you know, like, but we think we can figure out our own way out of, out of the problem, um, or if things are good and we don't, don't feel like we have problems. Um, I think we, we constantly want to steal glory from God by not admitting that he meets our needs. Um, because he does. All the time. Whether we ask or not. Or, you know, we, we know we have needs, but we get frustrated because God um, doesn't answer in the way we want him to. Or in the time that we want him to. Um, we want to appeal to his sovereignty in prayer, like say, God, you're the answer to my problems, but you have to answer them in the way that I want, um, which, is, which is obviously a problem. So our two, two things so far, God is sovereign, which means he can do anything he wills. He has the power and ability to do all things. Two, we are, uh, we are needy. Without God actively upholding us, um, we would have nothing good. We would have no life or breath or relationships or abilities um, or anything. And I want to kind of stop for a second and, and just acknowledge that those two things are true. And they're, they're not just true if we believe them or if someone believes them. Like, that is true apart from whatever we believe or whatever we do... Um, They're separate from, from beliefs and actions and motivations and all that stuff. God is, God is able, and we are in great need, regardless of whether we believe in him or act on, on those things. And I think it's important to realize that how gracious God is, that he cares for the, the billions of people who, who don't know him and don't submit to his authority and don't acknowledge him as 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 what he is, which is sovereign over their, their daily life and their breath. Um, and how much more we should, we should give thanks for the grace that he's shown us um, and his sovereignty in our lives. Um, but again, separately, neither one of those things by themselves will motivate us to pray, I don't think. Um, I mean, just because someone can meet our needs doesn't mean they will or that we have access to them, and just because we have needs doesn't mean that they will be met. Um, we, are not, we are not guaranteed that. Um, so there's a problem. We have this God who is perfect and holy and strong and great and mighty, and we have us who are down here who are dependent and needy with no hope or access to this God. And so we, hopefully you see where this is headed, we need a bridge, right? We need something to go from, and we can't, we can't go up. Remember, we are needy and destitute, so we don't have the resources or abilities to like, climb this ladder and get to God. We need God to, to descend and come to us. Um, and he did. Um, Christ gives us access. And again, we, we preach the gospel every week here um, but today, I want to really focus on Christ gives us access, and not only to salvation, and praise God that he does, but, but to the Father in prayer. Like, without Christ making a way, like, we have no audience with the Father. 
Um, Hebrews 10, 12 through 23, um, I think speaks to this a little bit. Um, Starting verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them in their minds. And he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful." So we have access through Christ. He has made a way. He has opened the curtain um, to him who is faithful. Um, But not only that, like that's not all that we have. We don't just have an audience with the Father. We have an inheritance. Um, We aren't making an appeal to some neutral party who may or may not decide to show us grace. Um, Romans Chapter 8, so then brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to deeds, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we had had some problems, right? We were in great need and we had no access. And through, specifically through the work of Christ, we not only have access through the Father, we have an inheritance, so we are no longer even in this great debt and, and pit that we were. We have access, and, and the inheritance has been given to us. So in, in some sense, and I'll, I'll talk on this a little bit more later, in some sense, like our, our initial reason for the access is kind of already been dealt with. Like we have a reason. The reason we wanted to go to the Father, it's already been, been dealt with. And so now we can come to him kind of with different motives and different, uh, different in a different way, hopefully. Um, okay, so I have a Venn diagram that's going to come up here. I'm a teacher, so we're all about Venn diagrams. Uh, but it's really hard to see, and I apologize for that. But there's three big circles up in the top left for you, top left. Uh, God is sovereign, up there. Top right, I am needy, and then the bottom, Christ grants access. And so we're going to kind of look at what happens if we believe some of this, but not all of it. So the first one is, um, we are going to look at um, like the top, le- top right and the bottom one. 
So that is that little section kind of in there. God can't fix my problems is what it says. So if we believe only that I am needy and that Christ gives me access, but we aren't believing that, that God is sovereign, then we are going to have access to a God who cannot meet our needs. Like, and, and that might sound weird, but I think you're going to see that at various times we fall into these different categories. And I don't think this is going to be a, I'm always struggling with this. I think it's going to kind of be a moving target where we need to remind ourselves of different truths. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so if you're in that boat, you're saying like, I'm in great need and Christ has made a way to the Father, but he, he isn't the solution to my problems. Um, I think it could be either that God, they, the person is not believing that God is strong enough to, to intervene, not able to, but more likely, I think the, what they um, probably struggle with is that they don't believe God does that kind of thing. Like God is, um, you're not trusting in the sovereignty of God. Maybe he could solve the problem, but like he, he doesn't kind of thing. So um, have a, a for instance. So let's suppose you have a parking dispute with your neighbor. Um, right, and you, you somehow, you have a close friendship relationship with the governor of the state of Missouri. He is your bud, right, your pals. And you've had, had this parking dispute. Um, you probably would not phone a friend and have the governor come knock on that person's door and take care of that problem, right? Could, could they probably do that? Would they have some authority or clout at least to, to handle that? Probably, but you wouldn't bother them because you don't think they don't really deal with that kind of stuff, this kind of small personal stuff. Like, I'll, I'll handle that. I'll take care of it. Uh, God, God doesn't do that kind of stuff. Um, so you're trying to fix your own problems um, because God, God doesn't need to be bothered by those, those small things. Um, it ends up being a I do the work, um, and maybe like your prayers might look like God kind of kind of help me help me do this help me do this thing, um, but ultimately like I'm the one doing it, like help me but let me still be in charge, um, and don't don't hear me say you should never ask God to help you do something, but I think there's a difference between like saying like. God, help me do this, and like more of the afterthought, like I could use kind of a, a boost or a pat on the back, so I'll pray and, and ask God to kind of come alongside me. Um, why this is lacking, I think, is ultimately like, if I'm in that boat, I'm still the one doing the work. Why do I need to pray if I'm the one who ends up answering it anyway, right? Uh, I'll just make a list, and I'll check those things off. Like, that's what I'll do, um, and with the, with the wording, the kind of help me problem. Um, and this is kind of semantics, but there's a difference between like help me do this and like cause me to do this or in, you know, enable me. Like I am, I am inadequate without you versus I could use a boost, right? And you could use the same words to mean both those things, but your heart... Your heart uh, I think is what, what will tell that. So um, the next little box we will look at um, would be the I don't have needs. So it would be in the inside, the bottom left, and it says, I don't need God to fix my problems. Um, and I think 
where I grew up, this was like maybe the most common thing, I think, thinking backwards. Um, and I feel like here we're looking at prayers that are only outward focused, like meaning they're not focused on the individual or the group that are praying. Like we're, we're praying only for the needs of others, only, only outward, um, usually focusing only on like brokenness in other people and primarily like physical prayers. They're like big, large problems, uh, but nothing like spiritual or heart related. So you're just looking at the problems are all outside of this room or outside of my heart. I don't have needs, but, but I'll go to God because I have access and he's sovereign, right? They're, those are the two. I have access to God, he's sovereign, but I don't have needs. So I'll just, I'll just pray for other people. Um, and it's not bad to pray for other people. We should do that. We are called to do that. Um, but the problem is there's no sense of God being vital for the health and life of the people or group who are praying in that way, right? If your prayer meeting is only help Grandma Bessie because she's sick and Charlie broke his leg and the economy is bad, we can pray for those things because God is sovereign over them, but that has no, like, no direct impact on your life. There's no reason to stick, stick into that prayer because, yeah, God is sovereign for other people, but like, what is he to you if, if you're there? Um, why, why this is lacking is it's not, it's not personal. There's no connection between you and God. You're not being honest with your, with your situation. Like, you don't, you don't understand where you're at, you know? Um, I, I think you both don't understand something about God, and you don't understand a lot about yourself, if that's, if that's where you're at. Um, and that's hard. Like, I feel like I slip into all of these at different times. Uh, and there's a quote, there's a book that we read as elders uh, a few years back called A Praying Life by Paul Miller, and he says this. He says, you don't need self-discipline to pray continuously. You just need to be poor in spirit, which I thought was interesting. Like, you don't, you don't need to, you don't need self-discipline. You just have to know that you have a lot of needs. You know, like, you have to know that, that I'm broken, and I know who can fix them. Uh, the last little box, the top one, is God won't fix my needs or God won't answer my prayer. Um, in this one, there's a serious disconnect because the person believes that God is sovereign. He is able. But there's something in there that says, like, he won't. He won't do it. And uh, it might be something like, uh, there's no way God would listen to me. You don't know what I've done. Uh, you don't know the life I've lived. You don't know where I've come from. Um, and I imagine that that would be a pretty hopeless place to be. To know that there are answers, um, there's ability, but you just don't feel like you have a way. And, uh, and that, is, uh, hard, that is hard to think about. I mean, there are a lot of people in, in our city and in our world, and that is exactly where they are. They think there's probably, there probably is a God, but I am not, I'm not worthy of his audience 
I am, I am, uh, I'm broken, you know, and, and addressing that is hard, but we have a good answer for that. Um, and that is that you don't understand the fullness of what Christ has done because you are broken and he is able, uh, but Christ has made a way, um, he did, he did what you couldn't do, um, and he lived perfectly, um, and he died, died in our place. And there are so many stories in Scripture where the, the person that, that could maybe say that more than anyone, you know, and we see, we see Jesus redeeming that person. Like, I think of Legion, um, this guy, you know, he's living in tombs. He's got so many demons, you know, he's cutting himself. People are scared of him. He's naked, like, I've never met anyone that, that destitute and broken. And like one encounter with Jesus, and he is, I mean, he has changed, like unrecognizably different because of, of the power of Christ. And, uh, and so we have an answer for that. Um, so let's look at the Lord's Prayer and see if we can see those elements. So the three things we're looking at, again, um, access through Christ, the sovereignty of God, um, or you know, God's ability, if you want to think of it that way, and then um, our needs. So those are the three things. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer and, and go through that. So um, our Father in heaven. That's short, but there's some stuff packed in there. He's our Father, right? Um, both those passages address that. The Romans one more, more directly, but like he is our father. We have an inheritance. We are co-heirs with Christ. We have been adopted. Um, so many things. Like we are, if we believe in, in what Christ has done, we are not just appealing to some rich and powerful guy. We are appealing to our father who loves us and will give us good gifts. Hallowed be your name. Now this is, like Matt said last week, that is a request. We're asking for God to hallow his name, to make his name uh, known and set apart more than it is, more in the future than it is now, but also like that is a truth. Um, God is great. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We want to acknowledge that it is his way and not our way that's best and his kingdom, not our kingdom that should be advanced. Right? So we're not standing on the street corner praying, uh, look at me, I'm using, I'm using big words, or like, uh, thank you God that I am not a sinner like this guy, you know, um, that we see in Luke, I think. Um, his kingdom come, his will be done. He knows best. Um, he is sovereign, and we are not. Um, on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. We are dependent on God for our physical needs every day. And even if we have a job and money and can provide for ourselves and have food in our pantries, we are only given those abilities um, because he is gracious to us. Forgive us our debts um, as we also forgive our debtors. I think there are many sermons that could be preached probably on that. Uh, but forgive us our debts. We are, in, we are in need. We have dependence. And also as we for, have forgiven our debtors, Again, there's a lot that we could say on that, but I would just say that um, it's a belief that permeates into action toward others. Like we believe in the forgiveness of Christ in such a way that we are caused to 
forgive others. Um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we are even unable with all, uh, all that other knowledge, we are unable to even keep from sin on our own. Like knowing the truth of how, God, how great God is um, and how he is the answer to our problems and how we are dependent on him um, for food and to forgive our debts, uh, we are still prone to sin and we need his grace to keep us from that. And so I think if we kind of weave those three things together, God is sovereign, um, we are in great need, and we have access through Christ, we get uh, kind of a, a prayer that's informed by the gospel. Gospel-informed prayer. Um, and like I said earlier, I think when we have, when we really believe all of those things, it changes. Our prayer will kind of turn a corner because we still have needs, but we trust that they have been met and that we have an inheritance. And so we aren't focused on those anymore. Like we don't need to come to God only focused on our brokenness and the problems that we have. We should bring those things to God, but we no longer have to, have to be anxious and worry about how we're going to make it through because we have, we have an inheritance. Um, we're not focused on problems. Um, again, that doesn't mean we don't have them, but, but we can focus on God's sovereignty and his work in our life and, and how he is going to work those things out. And we can ask him to do things. Um, not just because he can do things, but because he, but because he tells us to ask him. Matthew uh, 7, later in the Sermon on the Mount, ask and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Uh, in Philippians, um, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He doesn't say like, hey, if it's really important, ask me about it, and we'll see. He says, but in everything, big and small, everything, um, instead of treating God like a like a maintenance man, kind of, where we like have a checklist of stuff and say like, God, here's the stuff I need you to do. And like, maybe he answers some of it, maybe he doesn't. And then we get frustrated with him not answering those things. Um, let's, let's trust in his rule and reign uh, over all things, including our lives and our problems, and, and present those cares to him, um, not as a checklist of, of stuff, for God to do, but as a way to recognize his sovereignty over those things and our need for him to come through. And then ask him to do something about it. Like, ask him to change our circumstances. Ask him to intervene um, as a father who loves us and cares for us, but at the same time acknowledging that, that he knows what's best for us. Um, James tells us, towards the beginning of James, it says that every good and perfect gift comes from, from above, from the Father. Um, and then later, in the same book, in James, he says that we do not have because we do not ask. Um, and I think prayer, prayer is, in some ways, a really complicated thing because, you know, God is, God is holy and we are not, and we're, we're told in Scripture to both humbly come before God and boldly come before God. And how, like, how do you boldly and humbly do something at the same time? That's, that's kind of a, a tricky balance. But I think, like, again, the answer is in Christ. Like, we, we boldly 
have access. We don't have to wonder, um, but it's not because of what we've done. So we can be humble. Like, we, we can know. Like, we have an audience with the Father. Um, but it's not because of good stuff that I've done. Um, and so my, my thought or my challenge with these is we need, to, we need to be constantly thinking to ourselves, like, what is my, what is my prayer life like? What is that saying about what I believe about the gospel? Like, where am I lacking? Am I so focused on fixing my own problems that I'm not giving God his, his proper place as sovereign over my life? You know, am I, am I just so focused on, like, praying for other people that I'm not, not thinking about my heart and how he rules over me? Um, but let's be a church who, who asks God for things. Like, let's not just think that if we believe right things about God that, that we'll be okay. Because if we're not asking, we're not believing right things about God. Um, let's be a church who can humbly and boldly go before the throne of grace and ask our Father to work and to do things that only he can do. Um, let's ask him that he would, he would hollow his name in our city um, that he would get the glory, that he would bring his kingdom here and, and in our hearts, that he would bring it in Hannibal, that he would bring us here in our city, and that we would do things for his glory and our joy, like that we would do things for his glory that, that we can't imagine doing anything else because we are so uh, satisfied in who he is and that we, we have great need for him. Like that we, we can't live without him. We can't work. We can't move. We can't sustain our relationships. Um, he is our salvation. He is our protection. Um, we can't do anything apart from him. Um, but he graciously gives us all things through Christ. Um, we're going to transition to the Lord's Supper here. Um, you don't have to be a member of BC to take the Lord's Supper, um, but it is important that you be um, someone who believes um, in the work of Christ, what he has done. And that's, that's not uh, something just to be exclusive, but it, the purpose of the Lord's Supper is to remind us of, of what Christ has done, that his body was broken where ours should have been and that his blood was poured out um, in place of ours um, and for sacrifice for us. So if you don't, don't believe that, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Um, and I ask that you, would, that you would talk to somebody. If you're in that boat where you believe that God is sovereign, but that he won't answer you because of what you've done, um, talk to somebody. Talk to me. Um, talk to somebody in your row. And um, we would love to share with you the truth of who Christ is and, and what he has done. Um, so I'm going to pray for us, and I'm just going to pray kind of some version of, of the Lord's Supper. And then when your uh, heart is ready, after a little bit of time, come and take, uh, take the Lord's Supper.